Hi, everybody. This is the Denver Coach Federation monthly class that we're doing um, every month now. We started it last month. I want to welcome you all to this one. It's um, March the 5th, 2008. So our speaker for today is Susie Pomerantz, author of Seal the Deal. Um, welcome, Susie, and uh, please begin whenever you're ready. Thank you, Bill. It's an honor to be here, and I'm delighted that you invited me, and I want to give a big shout-out to all my buddies in Denver. And I'm sorry I can't be there with you in person, but I'm delighted to be on this call, and I think it's wonderful that you're offering different formats for your members to take advantage of so that it's not always in person and people can call in in their pajamas, as we like to do in the coaching world. Um, so I just want to start out and say that this is going to be more of a conversation and a dialogue than a lecture. I am going to share some um, thoughts that, I, that are from the book about business development and mindsets around business development. Um, and just to set a little bit of the context, that really where all of this came from, why I wrote the book, why I'm doing these calls, is because I'm really passionate about stewardship of our profession. I'm passionate about leadership and legacy and impact and other things as well, but I, there's something deep inside me really wants to make sure that in the coaching world that we know how to go about creating opportunities to provide coaching services and to continue to bring coaching to the various people that we provide our services to. And so one of the things that I've been hearing for many years, I've had my coaching business for 15 years. I've been an MCC coach through the ICF since 1998. And I keep hearing over and over again from um, coaches at all levels of uh, the profession just wondering, you know, how, how do we do this? How do we sell? How do we make it happen? It seems a little mysterious. I've had people say to me, you know, I, I go out to lunch with people and sometimes they buy services and that's my business development strategy. Um, and I've had some people actually say to me, you know, I don't know how it works. It feels like magic. Um, and then I've had other people say, you know what, sales is a dirty word. I'm never going to do sales. I'm not a salesperson. You can't make me sell. You're not going to turn me into a salesperson. And I, and I would just want to um, allay anyone's fears who might be thinking that, that I'm not going to turn you into a salesperson because <laughs> that doesn't work. So um, really it's all about mindsets. And as coaches we know that, um, that really it all does come back to the mindsets. And what we work with our clients on is shifting their mindsets. And so this is one area, business development and money and things like that are, are um, areas where coaches might think about changing our mindsets or exploring new mindsets that might serve us better. So I, I know that there are a lot of people on the call, but I want to make sure that we have a chance to have it be interactive. And so just to break the ice, I want to throw out a question, and whoever wants to respond can respond, and we'll start to identify some of the mindsets in this community. Um, so, so the question is, do you know what it takes to systematically create opportunities to coach, or is it a mystery to you? Um, so there's no wrong answer here. I'm just interested in having you share where you are on the spectrum of what it takes to create opportunities to coach. Now, Bill, do they have to do anything to unmute? Is there a – I didn't hear no, any of that. No, I okay. think everybody is actually unmuted. I was actually going to suggest – if um, those of us who are not going to speak, if you could hit the six key and mute yourself, and those of those of you when you'd like to speak, you also hit the six key to unmute yourself. So there's one key, the six, 
muting and unmuting on this call. We actually keep the background noise down if most of us were muted, and then when you want to speak, hit the six key again to unmute. Great. And so this would be a time to be unmuted so that you can talk and, and share with us just where you are in terms of creating opportunities to provide your coaching services. How does it how does the whole thing feel to you? What are some of your thoughts about it? Um, are you doing something systematically to create opportunities to coach, or is it just sort of happening as it ha and you're not sure how it happens? Tell us what you're doing. This is Kim Miles, and um, I'm working with a mentor coach, and specifically we worked on that yesterday. Um, I am using prospecting for growing my business at this point. Great. And what I'm systematically doing is I worked out kind of a formula that with you know three hours of activity, whether that's lunches or meeting people, um, just building business relationships, with three hours of my activity, I'm able to generate three um, complimentary calls. And then from those three complimentary calls, I'm estimating just based on the past month, I'm estimating obtaining one client out of those three calls. Great. That's a great ratio. Congratulations. So that's a good Thank system. You. Thank that's you. Wonderful. Let's hear from other folks. What are you doing? Are you doing anything systematic, or is it happening however it happens and you're not quite sure, or is it somewhere in the middle? We're talking about business development. Could be networking, could be marketing, could be sales, could be all three of them. Uh, this is Nick Beckle. I'm just getting started in the coaching business, but um, I work uh, public speaking and networking primarily. And it's a little slow, but the people tend to ask me coach before I have a chance to ask them if they want to be. Oh, that's great. So people are people are closing the deal for you before you get to close the deal. Right. It's not like they're throwing themselves at me, but the ones I picked up are primarily volunteers. Uh, say that again. I, there were p people beeping there, in. There aren't that many of them that, that are uh, going to ask me to coach, but the majority of people I coach so far have asked me rather than by doing a sales pitch with them. Great. So you're doing something right. You're doing something right because they're they're jumping on board before you've had a chance to ask. Now imagine what your results would be if you were to ask them, if you were to ask more people. Because right now people are jumping on board before you get a chance to ask. So what happens if you move the ask earlier up? Just something well, to I think, think that about. Has to improve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're getting results without even trying. That's great. <laughs> Who else? Who else is having some success with a system? Or not a system. Oh my goodness. I think someone just redialed us. Okay, well I'm gonna move on because this topic does not seem to be generating lots of energy. So I'm gonna move on and, and um Bill, does everyone have the handout or access to the handout? Bill? I I don't believe so, no. Oh, okay. Is Kelly on the call? Okay. Well, oh, hi. Is Susie up here? Hi. Okay. I was just wondering if there's a way to make that handout available so people could look at it. Uh, I can see uh, about 
how quickly I might be able to get that out to people since that was just um, sent. So I'll I'll see what I can do. Or if there's a way, it, if not, it'll just it'll go on the website eventually. Is that right? Uh, I was going to talk with Bill about that. So oh, okay. Okay. Well, either way, I'll just um, I, there is a handout for you guys. So if you don't have it now for the call, then you'll uh, have it in some way afterwards. And if not, you can always email me for it too. Um, after the call, I'll be happy to send it to you. So don't feel like you have to take crazy notes. But um, there's so I want to talk to you a little bit about some some of the terms that I'm going to be using, and then we're going to look at what that means as a as a coach in coach in building a coaching business. And so just to get us all on the same page language-wise. Uh, there are three terms that I use to describe business development. So business development is really you know, how you get clients, right? And so there are three domains of that. There's networking, marketing, and sales. And um, you need all three of these domains to be working in strategic concert in order to have the results in the least amount of time possible that you want around business development. So first let's look at distinguishing each of the three of those, and then we'll work, look at how you get all three of those to work in strategic concert to get business. So when I'm talking about business development, rainmaking, what, what I simply mean is creating opportunities for you to coach qualified clients, right? And so you might not have thought about how you want to qualify your clients, um, but not everyone is an appropriate client. And so some clients are not coachable. and um, I learned the hard way many years ago when I started my coaching business that um, you know you can do a great bang-up job selling coaching services and starting a coaching engagement with someone who's not coachable, but then it's not going to be a successful, satisfying endeavor for you or them. So for our purposes, I'm going to define qualified clients as those who are A, coachable, B, committed to a coaching relationship with a clear intended result, and C, not in need of therapy or consulting, um, so that there's that distinction made up front. D, that they're able to pay. That's another <laughs> important one. And, um, and E, that they value coaching as a process. Um, there have been times when in organizations I've been brought in to coach people, the CEO might have brought me in to coach a vice president who doesn't have any value for coaching as a process. And so there's a lot of work to do up front to even get to the place where they're willing to change or explore changes or try on different mindsets. So that's, that's just a caveat about qualifying clients. But networking, if we look at the first piece of the model, networking is the relational aspect of your business. So it's how you connect with others for a lot of different purposes. It's for sharing resources, for sharing information. You might be sharing leads or referrals. Maybe you're just sharing ideas. It's about cultivating a working network of relationships because that's what's crucial to your business development system. But in and of itself, it's not going to be the way that you build or expand your client base. But the relational piece of it is important because if we look at pure networking, pure networking is just about making genuine human connections. It's not about sales or business development per se. It ends up being a really important foundational piece of the process. But by itself, networking is just about meeting other people, connecting on a genuine human level. So bringing your genuine curiosity in the book, I go through nine whole mindsets of networking, and I'm not going to touch on those here, but, um, but, but there are nine mindsets around networking that have to do with being curious and being a connection seeker, things like that. So that's the networking piece. The marketing piece is really about preparation. So networking was about relation. Marketing is about preparation. And marketing is how you're going to prepare yourself 
to take your unique identity package or your offer or your message to market. So this involves strategy, design work, writing, outreach. Um, it involves branding, um, public relations, things that really involve creating the messaging of your service or your products if you have products. So the marketing piece might be writing articles. It might be doing speaking engagements. It might be um, having a website or creating collateral materials or anything that you're doing that's getting your message out there. And that's one piece of the puzzle. Then the third piece, the sales piece, is about implementation. So networking with relation, marketing with preparation, and sales is about implementation. And sales activities are about taking all of your business development strategies and, and, and implementing them. Simply put, making appointments, seeking to be of service, making fabulous and bold offers, and asking for the business. So that's what I was just talking about with Doug a few minutes ago about making the ask. Um, that's asking people to sign on with you and to, and to pay you. <laughs> so if you imagine a Venn diagram, and, and uh, whenever the handout becomes available, you'll see a little Venn diagram where, where you see the three circles of networking, marketing, and sales all overlapping. And at the middle central point where they all overlap, that's really the sweet spot where you can most easily seal the deal. So one of the things to really look at is how do you master the integration of where preparation, you know, the marketing piece, and relation, the networking piece, meets implementation, the sales piece. If you're taking action in all three areas at the same time, that's how you're going to grow your business. And so what I find with coaching is that it, it, the alignment, the place of alignment has to do with why did you become a coach? So I want to throw out a couple of questions, and then I want to uh, open it up for a little bit of dialogue around this topic. Um, because this is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of how do you create authentic business development that's as easy as breathing, right? The title of our session today. So, so let's look at why, why did you become a coach? What are you here to do in this world? What are your coaching strengths and skills? What's your passion? And what are you most committed to? Now, you may recognize these as coaching questions, but I'm putting them in the context of business development. And um, let's talk about the answers to these for a little bit, and then we'll look at how that connects to business development. So uh, who wants to play? I need someone to play with me on this. Any volunteers? Don't forget to unmute if you're muted. Uh, this is Kim. I will. Hi, Kim. Okay. So Kim, um, why did you become a coach in the first place? Um, I chose coaching because I feel like I connect with people, and I've always been interested in, interested in people. Interested in what and people? So, um, interested and invested ah, okay. in people. And um, I also am process-oriented and somewhat analytical, or very analytical, actually. Okay. I wanted to utilize my my call or my natural abilities to be invested in people, along with some of my training, including coaching and, and my analytical skills, um, to work with people. And coaching is the platform that allows me to do that. And what are you, what are you really passionate about when it comes to connecting with people and investing in people? What are you passionate about creating for other people? 
Um, I'm, I'm really passionate about creating um, a relationship and support. Um, and selfishly, I get a lot of enjoyment when people around me um, succeed. Um, people who, whether it's a conversation that we had or something that we um, worked on together, um, when they succeed because of that, I get a great amount of joy out of it. Great. Okay. And so, so the key for you then in business development is looking at how do you align all of your business development activities with that passion, that passion for other people's success and for investing and connecting, investing in and connecting with people, and bringing that your passion for that relationship and support to bear in the, in the business development activities. Also, your skills and strengths around being process-oriented and analytical, that would be important to bring into your business development strategy as well. And it sounds like you've already started to do that with your prospecting formula because that's, you've, you've put in place for yourself a process, so that builds on your process strengths. Um, and so one of the things that I want to open up for everybody to consider is once we have clarity and alignment around why we're a coach in the first place, then that's the access to how we can discover authenticity in business development for ourselves. So, Kim, it sounds like you're already right on the right track because you're already leveraging your strengths and bringing your awareness to business development of your passion for, for helping people succeed and the relationship and support piece is where you're going to find uh, effortlessness in your, own, in your own business development. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, and so uh, so I'll just share a brief story with you guys from um, my own experience about this. I, When I first realized many years ago, I started my coaching business 15 years ago because I had clients, um, and that's a whole other long story, which I'm not going to get into now, but the natural progression of those coaching engagements, I had 40 clients, and that's why I started the business. They all came at once. And so when all of that naturally wound down, I realized with a very big, oh my gosh, kind of a reaction, that I'd have to start generating new clients, and I didn't have the foggiest idea how to go about doing that. And so um, I had learned about sales and prospecting and selling. I had taken classes just because it was something that had interested me, but I couldn't figure out how to gel that with coaching. And I did have a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth about sales. I thought about it as something pushy and aggressive, and I didn't want to take advantage of my friendships and relationships. I didn't want to feel like I was um, being aggressive or, or forcing anything on anybody. And so, um, and so I, I really had a, a bad taste in my mouth about applying sales to coaching because I kept saying, you know, I can't integrate what seems to be these polar opposites. You know, selling is about driving some particular result, and coaching is about pulling the result out of the, the other person. And, and why I became a coach is because I'm committed to helping people. I'm committed to making a difference with people. And I couldn't figure out how sales was about making a difference. And so um, the, the biggest mindset shift for me that helped with my own um, in, engaging authentically in business development from a place that's genuine for me was really figuring out that, okay, what I do as a coach is I create an inquiry to help make a difference with people. And so if I could figure out how to do that in the business development process, then I can actually be in the business development process from an authentic place. I can be there from a place of not trying to 
um, do something that I don't like doing that's distasteful to me, which is where I was doing it from. But I can be in a business development mode. I can do those business development activities from a place of honestly trying to discern whether or not I'm the right person to make a difference with this other person or not. And when I was able to make that shift, aligning my business development activities with why I became a coach and what I, what I do with people, that made all the difference in the world. So, uh, so let's, let's uh, talk about this a little bit more. I'd love to hear from more people about why you became a coach or maybe um, if there's a place where you feel uh, stuck or um, out of alignment in your own business development, then we can do a little bit of live coaching and um, engage that way. So I just want to open this up to you guys. Where are you with your authenticity around business development? Is it aligned with why you became a coach, or does it feel like something extra and distasteful that you have to do? Don't forget to unmute. This is Diane. Hi. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, I was going to say I, I'm a former therapist for many, many years and um, switched over to becoming a coach because I wanted to look and became very clear on the fact that I wanted to work with people on what their very positive strengths were and their passions were mm -hmm. as opposed to their dysfunction. Great. And so where I'm trying to develop my practice at this point in time after coming through a health crisis um, is to be certain, and I'm not sure that because of the therapeutic background, um, making it clear enough to people um, that I want to, I believe my goal is to be their cheerleader, if you will, for them to become their very best. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm looking for is a clarity I have the clarity in my mind, but to be able to communicate that very effectively to the receiving end so that they understand it is a team process um, where on the other side of the coaching experience, they will become who it is they want to be. Great. And so, um, so what I hear in there is that with the, um, I like what you said about the team process. Mm -hmm. Because if I had to venture a guess, I would say that that would be a place where you could, you could bring that more into your business development activities. Because it's not um, – the disconnect that I heard in what you said is that you're trying to find a way to communicate the clarity that you feel internally about what's in it for them. And really, what you do and what's great about what you do as a coach is the team process of helping them become who they want to be and, and, the, and be their very best. And so that can be applied in the business development conversations. The business development conversation is not a coaching conversation, but it can use the same methodology that a coaching conversation uses. Right? So in the same way in which through the process of your coaching, through the team process where you're in dialogue with your clients and you're helping them discover who they want to be and how they can become their very best, that process, can be applied in your conversation about whether or not coaching is for them. That's a great point. Okay. So, so what you're already doing that's making you successful as a coach and what you love most about what you're doing as a coach 
is it's just a very subtle shift. You know, it's, it's a very subtle shift to be able to bring that conversation into the business development conversation. I'm not saying give them a free coaching session. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying use the team process of how you coach them to help them determine whether or not coaching is right for them and help them figure out whether or not you're the right coach for them. Got it. Does that, does that open anything up in, in, uh, in the business development process for you, just that little shift? It does. It, it gives, um, if you will, a direction to go forth from. Yeah. And does it feel difficult? Does that direction feel difficult to you? Not at all. No, because it's what you're already doing, right? Correct. Good. Yeah. So, um, so can you um, can you breathe a little easier in your coaching, in your business development coaching now? Absolutely. I'm. I'm it's interesting. I just feel like um, a fog's been lifted. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So that's really cool. Great. Thank you. Susie, I have a question regarding um, that. What you just did, um, and because you had mentioned you're not giving away a free session, mm-hmm. um, from your experience, are complimentary sessions um, a good return on investment? What a great question! I know that um, depending on where you've gotten your coach training, you're probably going to hear from a lot of people that that's definitely the way to start a business and I'm going to risk being extremely controversial and tell you exactly the truth of how I feel about it. I think it's a rotten idea. <laughs> um, and here's why. I, this is, you've hit upon one of my pet peeves. I feel very strongly about coaches not giving away free sessions because what happens in business and in the business world in particular is that if you give something away for free, then it becomes valued differently than if you've had to pay top dollar for it. Um, and that's not – I know that there's a, a common um, thought out there that, you know, you want to give a little taste. Um, I know Andrea Lee does great stuff around the pink spoon, um, the, the pink spoon theory, you know, like Baskin Robbins gives a pink spoon taste. And um, so there's a lot of people that are having some success applying that to coaching. And I'm all for giving people a taste and a sample, but not for free. Um, because if it's valued at free, if you're getting something for free – it's very hard to turn around and start paying $100, $150, $200, however many dollars an hour for it. If you've gotten it for free, it's, it's hard to make that mental shift as a customer to start paying that kind of money for it. When you're talking about ice cream where you're paying a dollar and a quarter or you know, two bucks for a scoop of ice cream, whatever it is, wherever, you know, I don't know what the prices are in Denver, but um, you know, a pink spoon taste is, is very different. They're not giving away a big percentage of the business. But as coaches, we're selling um, time. We're selling blocks of time. And we only have a finite amount of time in the day. And whatever you've defined your workday to be, whether it's a six-hour workday, an eight-hour workday, whatever, you have that many billable hours. So if you have eight billable hours in a day, for example, and you give away one of those for free, just one, you're giving away one-eighth of your product, if you think about our service as a product. I don't know any company in the world who succeeds giving away an eighth of their product as business development. So the thing to think about is if you want to give away free laser coaching, like a 15-minute session to give them a taste, okay, I'm fine with that. That's not too big a chunk of your time. But um, 
what I really recommend doing is if they want to try it out, if they're not sure and they want to try it out, then let them try it out at a reduced rate. Let them try it out at a trial rate that's a fraction of your, uh, of your rate so that your time is still being valued. They're still having a value for what you're providing. They're getting the experience that they want, and it may, or may, and it may help them make a decision in favor of hiring you, but then you've already set the precedent of being paid. And they understand up front that they're going to be paying, you know, that this is a, an introductory rate, and if they do sign on with you, the rate is much higher. And it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Um, if you're giving it away for free, then it, it gets valued um, very differently than if you're charging for it up front. They don't have any skin in the game. And there are a lot of people who will say, yeah, I'll take it on for free. I'll do a free session just to take a taste of it with no commitment whatsoever to buying. They're just doing it because it's free. And so we could end up wasting a lot of time as coaches giving away free sessions to people who are just doing it because it's free with, without really having a clear sense of the value proposition and, and what they would want to get out of it. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. It does. Now, the one thing that I, and I've struggled with this because I have heard the different philosophies on it, and it seems as though um, when you had talked about the three different areas of business development, that the free coaching session is one that works very well if you're not using all three. For instance, if you're just using networking, it appears that that would be good because you're working with clients or you're introducing the service. So you're kind of doing that networking, doing that building of trust, um, building that relationship, if you will. And that's where I'm kind of wondering, if I don't have a strong marketing plan, if I don't have qualified or even somewhat qualified clients approaching me, then it kind of feels like that the comp session, I feel kind of directed or forced into the comp session aspect of it. And is there anything wrong with charging a little bit for your, so it's not a fully comp session, but that it's an introductory rate session? No, that, that feels fine. I guess the question would be, What's reasonable? I feel completely comfortable saying I charge $100 an hour for a coaching program. I guess I, I haven't de defined what feels comfortable for a comp session. But I do like the idea of the 15-minute laser session. That, that feels very comfortable. Yeah, you want to – so there's, a, there's a, an image question here too, right? So it depends on how much time you have available. And if – if you want to be filling your, if you'd rather be filling your time with coaching, whether you're getting paid for it or not, and that feels good to you, then by all means offer free sessions. Uh, my analysis is from a business model perspective, and from the business model, looking at if I'm spending time giving away my time for free, then I have that much less time available for for a paying client, and I'd hate right. to block off my calendar with free clients and not have room to put a paying client in. Um, so, so you know, there are places where the free, the complimentary session works really well if you, you know, pro bono coaching is a great place to use it if there's an organization or um, individuals and you want to offer pro bono services as a charity, as a way of you doing a charitable donation, that's a great place to do it. Um, but for people who could pay and who are really honest-to-goodness prospective users of your services, um, 
they'll, they'll be more than willing to do a trial rate or an introductory rate or an introductory time frame. You know, maybe you offer a six-month coaching engagement and that, that feels too big, but they'd be willing to pay for one session just to try it out. You know, it sets up a different precedent going forward. Um, but this, but is, this is Carol. Could I interject something here? Sure. Um, I, one thing that should make everyone stop in their tracks about giving the free sessions is someone overheard a woman bragging to someone that, well, why should I pay for coaching? I can get all these free sessions. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. In the marketplace, it gets devalued when it's given away for free. There's, right, and they know they can get all these free sessions from all these coaches, so why should they pay for it? So we need to set something different, and maybe it's a process where you can find out their needs rather than coaching them, or maybe a two-second coaching. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? We're not... We're not selling cars, you know. It's not like they can take a free test drive and figure out if they want to buy it or not. We're not selling ice cream where they can take a little taste and, you know, it's no big deal to spend a couple bucks. But, you know, we're um, – so what we have to do as a community, as a coaching community, is find out what is that price point, you know, to get back to the earlier question of what, what is a, an, a, a reasonable rate for a complimentary session. And it might not be – you know, it, it, there might be there are a number of ways to do it. So it could be, um, you know, that it's a complimentary rate for the first three sessions and it's half the price, or maybe it's one session at half the price. Or, you know, you have to figure out what you're comfortable with for your own limited time offer of of introductory sessions. Or maybe it's the 15 minute laser coaching, and I'm willing to do that for free because I've got time in my schedule for a few of those. But um, it, but really, it's a matter of how you want to be um, positioned in the market. And how you want to come across to, to your potential buyers. If you think about your potential buyers, if they, one of the things that I think when someone offers me free time is they must not be very busy. If they're so not busy enough that they can offer me free time, then why would they be worth paying for if, they don't, if they're not busy enough? In other words, if they have all this time to give it away to me for free, how many other people are not paying for their service? And why is that? What's wrong with them? So it's, it's a part of it is the psychology of understanding your prospective buyers and how they might view these free sessions. Um, and it also, you know, the interesting thing is that um, why, why in the coaching community we started giving away free sessions in the first place is because we sort of gave up in trying to figure out how to articulate the intangible benefits of what coaching can provide. Um, because it is so personal and because it's different for everybody. But honest to goodness, people don't get their whole lives out of one coaching session. Um, and if they do get their whole lives out of one coaching session, why would they buy more <laughs> if they've already gotten the result? So um, we want to look at figuring out a way to communicate what it is that we do and what people get out of it, the results in other words, in a way that doesn't feel mysterious to us because if, it, if we can't even talk about it and if it feels mysterious to us in a way that we get frustrated and say, well, let me just, you know, let, let's just try it out for free. I'll, just, I'll do it for you for free so you can see what I'm talking about. Then, then we have a problem in, the, in, in terms of marketing. That we as a, as a community, you know, if we can't talk about what we do. So um, that brings me to another nuance point of this, which is a lot of people say, you know, I, I have a really hard time selling myself. 
as a coach. And, or some people say, well, you know, I have a really hard time articulating the benefits of coaching. And so to both of those avenues, I would say what we really need to look at doing is figuring out how do we sell the result that our client will get, not the benefits of coaching, not you as a coach, but what's in it for the particular client, which is a very different conversation than trying to articulate with clarity what you do and why you're different from all the other coaches out there. You have to know the answer to that, but that's not what you're telling prospective buyers. What we're doing, the ideal thing to do with prospective buyers is to engage them in an inquiry where you find out what could be the potential results for them. What would they want to work on in coaching and what would they get out of it and what's that worth to them? What is the value proposition for them? And if they get that result that they've just shared with you, then what, and what is that worth to them? What, it, what does that mean to them in terms of their life or their work or their business or whatever it is that they're coming to you for coaching for? And so engaging in that conversation with them, helping them get clear about what's the possibility of what they could get out of coaching for them personally, regardless of how you do it or what you do, regardless of you, your methodology, your brilliance, that's not so relevant. What's relevant in the buy decision, in the mind of the buyer is, one, do they trust you? Two, are you credible? And three, do they believe that, that you can help them get to X? X is the thing that they have in mind that they want to get. And until you know what their X is, it doesn't matter what you articulate or how you articulate it about the benefits of coaching or, or, or how brilliant and distinctive you are as a coach. So, so I'm going to pause here and um, open this up for some reactions because I know it's a little bit controversial about the not giving away free sessions and how we talk about coaching. So I want to just open it up for reactions and thoughts. What are you hearing? Well, this is Kim again. and I'm not trying to monopolize the conversation, but um, there's part of it that feels like it, it feels unauthentic, although I can see where it's not, in terms of if you're asking someone about what their results you know, what, what they want their results to be. And that feels like kind of the someone selling you a car in the sense that if I walk into a car store and they say, well, what do you want? And I say, well, I want something with leather seats. And they're like, oh, well, we've got this whole thing of leather seats. And, you know, this, and it, that feels more car salesman-ish to me because you're asking them what they want first instead of telling them what coaching is about first. Okay, then don't do it. If it doesn't feel authentic to you, don't do it. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Right. Um, but I'll tell you from my experience, uh, when I engage in a conversation with a prospective client about what, what are you hoping a coach can do for you? Why are you seeking a coach at this time? Why are you even considering coaching? Um, what challenges are you facing? When I go down that route, then I get to understand what they're looking for, and I get to listen from whether or not I'm the right person to help them get there. I'm always listening from assuming I'm not the right person to help them get there, but assuming that I know who is, because I'm always listening for how do, who else can I refer them to. If it's right, and that's, that's from if they already know what coaching is about, right? I mean, well, why would they be 
Uh, okay, so let me back up then, because um, I think I'm making a, a different assumption. So this is great that you've brought this out. Um, so why would they be in a conversation with you about your services if they don't know what coaching is? Um, if you're in a networking group, you know, like I'm in a networking group, and there are a lot of people who have heard about coaching, they've heard the word coaching, yeah. but they don't know what it is. Okay, this is great. Oh, I'm so happy. Okay, Kim, thank you for bringing this up. You're not monopolizing the conversation at all. You're bringing up great stuff for everybody, so I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, oh, so what I just heard in that is that um, there's something commingled, and what's commingled is that it seems like on some level you're trying to sell at a networking event. So I want to go back to the three distinct activities. There's networking, there's marketing, and there's selling. When you're at a networking event, you're going to get really frustrated if you're trying to sell. And I know that we've all had the experience of being at networking events where someone has tried to sell to us, and it's a little bit of a turnoff. At a networking event, the whole entire purpose of being at a networking event is to make genuine human connections with those other people for all kinds of purposes, for referrals, for sharing ideas, for sharing resources, but not for selling your services. Ah. Okay? So that's why you're absolutely right. If I were at a networking event and trying to find out, you know, what do you want from a coach, that would feel like, yeah, we all, we've got all these leather cars over here, come look, or cars with leather seats, rather. I agree with you. So now I understand the distinction. So we were coming from different places. So at a networking event, um, so at a networking event, you want to actually just be focused on making genuine human connections, networking with other people, not selling services, not selling what coaching is, um, you can engage in a conversation if they're curious about what coaching is, sure. But the point is not to get them into a free session. The point is not to get them as a client unless they express interest in such a way that you see it possible to move them into the sales domain of your business development activities. You want to uncommingle the domains. So you want to keep networking as networking until at which point it clearly becomes sales. And then you want to separate it. So if you're in one of these networking meetings and you're really hitting it off with someone and, and you've just been connecting as human beings and they're so interested in what you do as a coach that they say, you know what, I really think that my organization could use you or I really think that my sister could use you, then you say, great, let's set up a meeting to talk about that. And then you offer a specific date and time. Let's set up a meeting to talk about that. How is uh, lunch next Thursday? Because then what you've done is you've shifted from the networking into the sales, and you've made it a separate and distinct meeting. You're not trying to sell in a networking meeting. Does that, does that uh, clarify anything or open anything up for you, Kim? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And as I'm looking at my Venn diagram, I'm positioning myself in that outer circle or the outer part of networking standing there saying, okay, if I'm in this arena, I can move into these other two where they cross over, mm -hmm. or I can just be in the networking and not necessarily cross over yet. Yeah. In fact, it's okay. best if when you're networking at a networking event that you stay in that networking circle and not try to push it into anything else. You'll have a lot more fun at <laughs> the networking events for one. It'll be a lot easier. Right, okay. And it'll feel a lot that, more authentic because then you're just meeting people just for the pure joy of meeting people and connecting about all kinds of things. And in that process, by the way, that's a very valuable process to be in because especially if you're new in your coaching business, it allows you to start crafting your message. 
So you're, you can do a little bit of your marketing research while you're at a networking event. And by that I mean, you know, if you're networking and meeting people and talking to people, you can try out different ways of how you articulate what you do and how you do it. And so that will help you in crafting your marketing messages when you focus on marketing stuff. Great practice place. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. Sure. Um, could you talk a little bit more about opportunities to do marketing? Sure. Yeah, there's all kinds of um, opportunities to do marketing. And so I want to throw out one caveat before I start listing off a few. The one caveat is that um, for some of us, marketing feels safe and easy, and we can easily spend all our time doing marketing and then get frustrated because that's not leading to clients. So marketing in and of itself doesn't lead to clients, which is why you need the networking and the sales piece in there. But marketing activities are things like creating a website, creating um, collateral materials, which means your um, logo, your business card, your letterhead, all brochures if you have brochures. Most people just have a web brochure at this point, but you may want to have a paper one depending on your target market. Um, it has to do with writing articles, posting blogs, um, speaking engagements, speaking, pro bono speaking engagements, um, really anything that you're doing that is about getting your message out to a number of people at once and helping you to identify and, and craft your message. Could you, could you give some suggestions on what type of organizations you might want to offer to uh, give speeches in front of, where you may want to send articles as you write them out, that kind of thing? Well, let me throw that back on you. What are you passionate about? What are you interested in? Who do you like coaching most? Well, as someone who's just starting out, mm -hmm. um, I'm interested both in executive and life coaching, and as well as image coaching. And uh, I love to see people grow and develop. I mean, that's what really excites me. And I'm wondering about perhaps uh, teaming maybe with some HR professionals who could do referrals. I'm thinking in terms of also developing a referral network, so having mm -hmm. marketing materials and then distributing that in a way that there can be referrals, say. Yeah, that's a great idea. So what you named are three distinct target markets, though. So I would pick one to focus on initially if you're just starting out. Okay. Um, and so of the three, executive coaching, life coaching, or image coaching, um, what, what resonates the most with you? Let's start with executives. Okay, with executives. And so you did mention the HR connection. Mm -hmm. And are you currently connected to any HR communities? No. Like SHRM or ASTD or any of those? No? No. So those might be places to start getting involved. SHRM is um, Society for Human Resource Management. There's also HR.com online that has a lot of activities and communities, and um, it's, a, it's a, um, a good space to look at to get in touch with what HR people are doing. And so if you want to learn about that community, HR.com also is a place where you could submit articles. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. um, and you want to just look at um, connecting with people that you know who are in HR and have HR jobs and start asking them questions like, you know, how do I meet more HR people? What do they read? Where do they go? <laughs> what do they do? So that you can start getting involved in the same kinds of activities. Okay. And, so and are there other communities also besides that you can think of? To reach executives? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would uh, look at your local chamber of commerce. Mm -hmm. and um, start 
do you know any executives currently in your yeah, personal sure. life? Okay. So start with the people you know mm-hmm. and start asking them, if I wanted to reach um, executives, who do you recommend that I talk to? Where do, where do the executives that you know hang out? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there are certain country clubs that you might offer to speak at, or maybe there's lunch and learns that you could do in different organizations. You might start asking people that what they have in their organization. Do they have um, a place where people come in and talk? Mm, good idea. Thank you. Know, you. Do they already offer that? So, so just start using your network. Start asking people about the market that you want to explore and who they know in it and how you can start meeting people. And, and then really um, use your genuine curiosity and do some informational interviews to try to figure out, you know, what, how, how does this market think? Where do they go? What do they look for? Okay, that's great. One other question. How do you know if somebody's uncoachable? Oh, good heavens. Um, you know, it shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, it, it, sh- it really shows up in a lot of different ways. So it's something to have your antennas out for. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to be able to give a very thorough answer. A lot of it is intuitive. Um, but they start being very resistant and or not showing up um, to, to scheduled calls and meetings, or they will have a hard time even getting you scheduled in the first place. Um, they'll keep putting it off or rescheduling before you even have your first call. Um, or they might just, you know, if you're on a call and you can just hear them doing email in the background, you can hear them clicking away at their computer and, the, and you can tell that they're not engaged in the conversation. Um, and so all of those, when all of those things show up, it doesn't necessarily mean they're uncoachable, get rid of them, but it might mean probe into why they're showing up that way. Um, asking some some deeper questions about, you know, calling them on what your behaviors you're observing and um, seeing what that yields in terms of a deeper inquiry into the, whether or not they really want to be in coaching or whether they were just, you know, it, it's a lot of what I do going into a coaching engagement is if a CEO is bringing me in to coach someone else in his organization, a vice president, I always start right up front with that CEO and say, okay, now, just so you know, I can't coach this person if he doesn't have something at stake that he wants to be coached on. Um, and so that's something that I make very clear with the organization up front because a lot of times organizations try to – there's a management issue and they're not having the management conversation they need to have, and so they throw a coach at it as a last-ditch effort. And so I've um, over the years just gotten very clear in terms of stating those boundaries up front with the CEO, and then again with the client once you meet the, the, the actual client and let them know, you know, so-and-so wants me to coach you because of this, but if there's nothing in it for you, we, there's really nothing for us to do here. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you very much. So, um, yes, go ahead. Was someone trying to talk? Okay, so um, in the in the handout there are things for you to do on your own um, that I wasn't going to go over on the call, but I just want to point out to you that when you do get the handout, there's some stuff from the book about understanding your mindsets, which is a useful little worksheet to look at to see where you are with your mindsets. There's also a chart about distinguishing the three domains that I talked about, networking, marketing, and sales, in terms of what activities count as each. Um, so to get back to your earlier question about what are some marketing things you can do, that when you get see this handout, you'll see that there's a whole list there. 
Um, and then there's a partner exercise that you can do on your own with your coach or with just a friend. Um, and it's looking at how do you figure out your current state of where you are in these three domains and, and how well you're integrating that sweet spot for sealing the deal. So it's basically just three blank columns. One is networking, one is marketing, and one is sales. And how you do this is you give this sheet to your partner, and you start telling them all the things that you're currently doing around business development, and they have to write down what you're doing in the correct column. And it gives you a really quick snapshot of whether all your activities are in networking and you don't have anything in the other two domains, or whether you have equally distributed your activities across all three domains, which is, of course, the goal. Um, but it gives you a quick snapshot of where you need to focus if you want to really look at um, causing, causing quicker results in business development. Um, and so then there's a little self-assessment piece that goes with that about which domain you have the most success in and, and which domain you really want to work on and how you're going to do that. And then there's a, a worksheet about an individual selling system for you to look at figuring out what, how you want to apply any of the concepts that we've talked about into a, a system that works for you. So that's the handout. Um, and, you know, really, I just I want to leave a few more minutes for questions. Um, but what I want to ask you is um, what, out of the conversation that we've been having so far, what is showing up for you in terms of your mindsets or your thinking around business development or around these three domains or, or what we've been talking about? What's showing up so far? This is Kareen. Uh, the the biggest thing that showed up for me was that I've been involved in groups that that are sales organizations, and they constantly preach uh, that the only way to affect a sale is to do the benefits. Always always do the benefits. But what I heard today, and what sounds even uh, even more reasonable and uh, more heartfelt and more authentic is um, because there's a possibility that my languaging and their languaging is a little different, so that when I'm giving the benefits of something that I'm, I'm uh, attempting to have them uh, participate in, uh, if I'm not asking them the question about what it is that they want out of it, the results the re result specifically that they want, then we could be going in the same direction, but we'll, where it's a parallel line, and we'll never meet. So is, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's just just brilliant to ask ask the question. Yeah, and you know, it's always more powerful if you guide the inquiry and they generate the benefits. Right. You know, they'll tell you the benefits of coaching. You don't have to tell them because your benefits, like you said very beautifully, your benefits may not be what they think they want. And even if it is the same thing, they may not hear it in your language the same way they would articulate it. And so it doesn't necessarily become alive for them in the same way. That's mm -hmm. great. What else is showing up? Other new insights or um, ideas? This is Diane. Uh-huh. And what came up for me as I listened to everyone, including yourself, and then speaking about the free, the not free, how to present it, so forth, is the talent that I heard on this call from the variety of people. Mm -hmm. And as I sat back and reflected on it, I thought there is absolutely no reason for any of us to give something away for free when we have so much to offer. Yeah. And, and all of us, I, I, I can feel the energy on the call with people wanting to make a profound positive impact 
with others as well as themselves. And I'm thinking the role model that we can present to our clients in not giving it away free so that they see that we see ourselves as value, mm-hmm. and then they can reflect that value onto themselves by investing in themselves. Um, it's so important that by giving it away free, we're giving less of themselves to themselves. Oh, that's beautiful. So that's great. I hadn't even thought about it that way. Thank you, Diane. That's great. Sure. So, you know, the the point of all of this is really looking at, is there anything between you and showing up as the coach that you are, the brilliant coach that you are in the business development process? Is there anything between you and showing up aligned and authentic to who you are in business development? So really, business development is nothing more than building relationships, bringing your emotional intelligence to bear, building trust and credibility, listening, asking profound questions, um, you know, guiding powerful inquiries, and leveraging the strengths of quality coaching. These are skills that are all relevant and meaningful in the business development process. And so I just want to encourage all of you to go forth and look at what's great about me as a coach, what do I love about coaching, why am I attracted to coaching, and how can I do that as my sales process, as my business development process so that I can have some freedom and some easy breathing around business development. So I want to make sure, um, Bill, were there any wrap-up announcements or anything that you wanted to say to close the call? Um, The only thing I wanted to say was that uh, the call is being uh, recorded, and so um, you can access, if people want to hear this, Again, they can access it through the members-only section of the uh, DCF website and listen as many times as We'll probably have that posted uh, up there uh, by tomorrow. Oh, great. Oh, and Thank Bill, you. this is – oh, sorry, Bill, this is Kelly. I just wanted to let you know the handout's also available in that members-only section on the Teleclass Recordings page as well. Excellent. Thanks, okay. Kelly. No and problem. I just wanted to thank all of you for coming to the call and for engaging in these concepts and – Uh, It's just been a delight to be with you, and I wish you all a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.